We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye hitting with a solo recap of the Nets' loss to the Knicks, 142-118. The post-All-Star break pain continues. Four straight now post-All-Star break, including 131-87 loss to the Bulls, a 129-127 heartbreaker at the buzzer to the Hawks, a 118-104 loss to the Bucks, and tonight a 142-118 loss to the Knicks. Um, obviously, you see a theme here, a lot of blowouts, to good basketball teams, either playoff or play-in teams, and it's been a struggle. And I think uh, the biggest negative has been the Nets' defense. You know, that's an area where we have hoped the Nets would be good. You know, Jack and I even talked about, you know, could this be a top five, top ten unit to finish out the season? And they've been the one of the worst in the league. You know, I, I saw a stat on Twitter. It was like 12 out of 16 quarters have been, you know, plus 27 for the opposing team not going to win games. It's especially disheartening when Jock Vaughn comes out post-All-Star break and says, we want to be one of the hardest playing teams in the NBA. And they have been far from it. And, you know, some of that's on players and their buy-in. Also, some of that's on coaching and the rotations. And also some of that's on roster balance, you know, looking at Sean Marks and the holes in this roster. You know, you see the deficiencies and the lack of a backup center, a lack of creators, a lack of backup point guard. Obviously, the team was flipped upside down at the deadline when Kyrie requested a trade and then KD was traded. But at the same time, those are two players that did request trades in the summer. You would think there'd be some semblance of a plan on how to pivot from that point and potentially move on role players that aren't fitting on this team and just aren't playing well because they're in a situation that isn't ideal for them. You know, guys like Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal, Seth Curry, all guys that would play better on good teams with stars that they can complement instead of being asked to do things that they can't really do. But getting into tonight's game, the Knicks pretty much ended this one from the first quarter on. They were scorching hot from three. A lot of that, though, had to do with the Nets defense and allowing them to be super comfortable. At no point in this game did it really feel like the Nets were disrupting what the Knicks were doing. You know, in that second half, we saw a couple blitzes of Jalen Brunson, a little bit of zone, some double teams here and there. But by that point in time, the cushion was too large for the Knicks in this game, who just really just outplayed the Nets in every aspect of the game. You know, there's not really an area where you can feel good about uh, Brooklyn basketball in this one. The Knicks shot a scorching 20 of 35 from three. The Nets, on the other hand, shot 15 of 39, which really 
isn't great, but it isn't terrible either. Most nights that gives you a fair shot to win. But when you're giving up 142, you're probably not beating anybody. But uh, getting to the players in this one, Cam Johnson was awesome. 33 points, 13 of 18 from the field, 7 of 11 from three, two rebounds, one block. You know, we've talked about it over the course of the last couple games. You're seeing him really take those next steps as a scorer. You know, this is another huge shooting performance. Finally got hot from three as a Brooklyn net. And he's playing off the different avenues of his game. And he has a really good understanding of spacing on the floor and how he can set ghost screens, how he can slip, how he can find open spaces, and how he can be successful as a player. Also continuing to use his size to shoot over guys. And also, as I pointed out in my thread on Twitter, he does a great job of just taking what the defense gives him. And obviously, it's a lot easier to do that when you have the ability to pull up from pretty much anywhere on the floor. You know, three-point line, mid-range, short-range, whatever it is. So really happy with his growth. And there's still more room for improvement. You know, I think his handles can get tighter. He could probably, you know, find ways to create more advantages with his size, maybe add to his post game. I think creating for others could potentially be something. He also does a solid job, I think, making the right pass in the offense. And defensively, you know, he's been very solid for this team. So really happy with his growth and what he's done. And obviously his contract is going to be nice this summer for himself. So shout out Cam Johnson. Moving over to Mikel Bridges, the other acquisition from the Phoenix Suns. You know, another solid game for Mikel, 21 points, 6 of 13 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 8 of 8 from the free throw line, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal. You know, again, him in the mid to short range when he's in motion is such a tough defend because he's just very fluid with his movement, has great strides, and just has this ability to like levitate slash float in the air and uses his long arms and high release point to just get those shots off. You know, when he's knocking them down, the only thing you can really do is try to prevent him from getting those spots, getting to those spots. And then also, I think you saw a couple layups in this game. And, he, you know, his passing, I think, can improve. He's done a nice job on some of those drives and the drop-off passes for Clax. But his overall just basic passing in the offense, a couple off-target passes that slow down the offense or prevented advantage from being created, where in some situations that would have been more successful. Um Handles can get a little bit tighter, especially as he looks to expand as an ISO score or more of a go-to score in his new role, potentially with his team. And defensively, I think he's trying to find a balance of the new system of not really always having a help defender at the rim and just some of the different principles with the Nets and, and also the balance of you know now being you know the go-to guy offensively sometimes. I think another thing with Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges they can be a little passive in terms of, you know, looking for the ball. I think they need, you know, help from their teammates and the coaching staff to get them to be more aggressive consistently. You know, you're seeing the Nets call the first play of the game back-to-back games for Cam Johnson. They want to get him involved. They want him to be aggressive. And for the Nets to have chances at winning games, they're going to need big games from both of these guys. You know, tonight they, they did enough offensively. Both of them probably could have been better defensively in this game. But, other than those two, not really many positives to talk about in this one. You know, Clax had some good defensive moments, but overall, the defense was so bad, it's really hard to highlight anyone. And offensively, you miss a couple layups that he's been hitting all year long. Spencer Dinwiddie did not have a good game. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith did not have a good game. Royce O'Neal did not have a good game. Seth Curry did not have a good game. Joe Harris, Dayron Sharp, not a good game. You know, Cam Thomas was a hot and cold. He's still developing. These are kind of some of the mistakes you expect from him as a sophomore player with an inconsistent role and inconsistent minutes allocation. But the talent continues to stick out. Overall, really not much more to say about this one other than the fact that the Nets just got thoroughly outplayed and 
at the end of the day, it's okay if they lose games. It's okay if they don't make the playoffs. But you want to see them be competitive and play a, a level of basketball that makes sense and give you some faith in you know what they can be next year, what Vaughn can be in the coach, what the direction of the team is. And right now, I think there's just no direction to an extent. And I get it. You know, the the roster just flipped at the deadline. But at the same time, as I said, there should have been a pivot in place. And there has to be an idea of like what we're trying to do moving forward. Like if obviously we're not trying to win a championship this season, you know, lean into some of those younger guys and maybe try to expand them into a different role, a bigger role. You know, I'm looking at Cam Thomas. I'm looking at giving Clacks, you know, more opportunities to do things on the floor. I'm looking at, you know, Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson and what they're doing, continuing to have those guys have more and more opportunities to expand their game. But overall, Rough performance, rough stretch post-All-Star break. Hopefully, you know, they can find some semblance of good basketball against the Celtics, which is going to be extremely tough. More likely, we see it Sunday against the Hornets. But that wraps it up for this game. We're going to jump into some Twitter questions after this quick break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Up first, my guy, at Paul tweets too much. Do you view anyone as untouchable going into the summer? What players do you want to see return? Uh, I don't think anyone is untouchable on this roster, given that no one probably has all-NBA talent. I think really the only time you're looking at untouchable players is someone who could be an all-NBA guy moving forward. And maybe, maybe Mikel Bridges could potentially get there, but there would have to be a ton of improvement, and I think it's you know probably less than a 15% chance. So I think anybody is available for the right deal. And given where the Nets are at, that just has to be the case. I think also it's super important for them to figure out what their direction is and what their goal is short-term and long-term so they can kind of build off of that and see you know, what steps they need to do to get to that quote-unquote goal. You know, That goal might not be what I want, but what they want in terms of some level of direction. Uh, what players do I want to see return? You know, I want to see, obviously, the young guys return. 
and give us some level of hope next season. Uh, I think that also could mean, you know, moving one of those guys to the deadline or moving one of those guys in the upcoming offseason. So uh, I'd like to see, you know, the young players give us something, you know, happy to watch on the screen. But overall, for the development of the team or the future goals, I would be okay with them moving anybody this offseason. You know, that really is anybody, especially if, you know, the, the trade is – you know, too big to turn down. Even if it's a guy, you know, I'd love to see on the roster for the next five seasons. Right now, there's really nothing set in stone with this team or roster unless their true goal is to flip these picks for a star this summer and go into, you know, uh, a semi-contending or playoff contending team. But we'll see what happens. And again, a lot of the decisions are really based off of what the goals of Sean Marks and Josiah are. Obviously, they have been more than questionable in the past. But for me personally, I really enjoy watching Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Cam Thomas, and Nick Claxton. Everyone else, I think, obviously is expandable and doesn't necessarily have much potential to develop into a great player. Uh, moving on to our next question, a guy I talk to probably way too much, at Jack Manuel. Were the Nets premature in offering Jacques Vaughn an extension? I think so. You know, Jack, you and I talked about this on our recap of the extension. Um, There was no reason to give Vaughn that extension with 24 games remaining, especially when he had a contract already for next season. You know, you know, let those 24 games go. See how he does, how he vibes with this team, how he coaches, you know, a different roster, a different identity without, you know, arguably the best player in the NBA and Kevin Durant and somebody I probably have more respect for after watching a lot of these role players play without him. But I think, yeah, Jock Vaughn was given that extension prematurely. Over to my guy, Corey Cantor. What silver lining have you seen thus far? And what are you looking for from coach when the roster is unbalanced? You know, I think silver lining, you know, you're looking at the development, as I mentioned, of Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, uh, can Nick Claxton expand his game a little bit more? How does Cam Thomas, you know, deal with the ups and downs of his minute allocation, his role changing on this team, and all those different variables? So I think that's that's the silver lining. And in terms of on, I think you're just looking for the the team to play, you know, fundamentally sound basketball, play with a level of energy and effort. It's okay if they lose games, long as they're at least giving themselves a shot. You know, getting blown out like they did to the Knicks and to the Bulls just unacceptable. And, you know, maybe that blame isn't fully on Vaughn, but he's a guy that's going to take a lot of the heat because he is a coach. But obviously his friend Sean Marks did not do a great job in setting him up success for this, you know, second half or final stint of the season. All right, heading over to our next question from at Forever Shook. Will the Nets win another game this season? Does Dinwiddie truly want to be here? What would improve the defense? Why are Harris and Curry still in the rotation? The Nets will win another game this season. I think they'll end up beating the Hornets on Sunday. Uh, Does Dinwiddie truly want to be here? You know, I think that could be in question. When the trade initially happened, he seemed very happy. But I think as you lose games and you get blown out and some of that is reflecting back on you and there's a level of pressure, maybe he's not happy. Maybe he'd like to be on a better team that has a chance to compete. You know, Dallas went on a nice run last year. Uh, How would What would improve the defense? I think number one, effort. And then number two, just being you know, connected. You know, there's no synergy. There's no connection on the defense. Guys are kind of all over the place and there's a ton of hesitation. You know, just getting that defense in sync would ultimately change a lot given the talent on this roster defensively. In terms of Harrison Curry, not sure why they're still in the rotation. When Sumner and Yuta are healthy, those guys should be stealing all of those minutes because Joe and Seth are not providing you enough offensively for how bad they are defensively and the lack of impact they're having in other areas of the game. Over to 
at Elvis in the lab. Should the Nets sign a big or is that window closed? If so, who would be a good fit for the last 20-ish games plus playoffs? Uh, yeah, they definitely should sign a big because I think evaluating players is easier when you have a competent roster and you're asking guys to play a semblance of a role they can play. You know, asking Dorian Finney-Smith to play small ball center and, you know, throwing him out there with a whole bunch of guys that are like six foot six and six foot five is not setting up anyone for success. And it's making it really hard to play defense. Yeah, there'll be situations that good teams have to play like that, but they usually have, you know, established players. So I think right now not having a backup big and having to play Daron Sharp is hampering other players and also hampering the ability to evaluate those players because of the deficiency he has. Uh, I, I would love for them to figure out someone to sign. There's not necessarily anyone that's drawing my eye, but it could just be, you know, a basic center, you know, just a veteran NBA center that can come in there and grab 15 minutes and provide you a real seven foot player that can just do some of the fundamental things that Dayron Sharp just can't do at this point in time. Over to at Mike NYY, random question about the pass. Say the Nets kept Harden last year. The mandate is still lifted in the big three healthy versus Celtics. What do you think the outcome would have been? Um, I think the Nets have a real chance to win that series. And if they do lose the series, it's probably in seven and not a sweep. And I think, you know, if you're even looking, you know, a little further back, they probably win more games. You know, they probably go on a winning streak when it's Kyrie Harden and KD for a stretch of time. And there's a chance maybe they walk away with a championship or an Eastern Conference Finals appearance or, you know, NBA Finals appearance. And maybe that team is still together this season and they have a true shot at being the best team in the league. But that's a what if that will drive a lot of Nets fans crazy for the next couple of decades. Uh, over to at Neil Aces nine nine one five. Is the poor construction of this roster on Sharm Marks? Yeah, I, I'm obviously he's in charge of constructing the roster. He's the guy who makes the decisions, and I get a trade request from Kyrie midseason a week before the deadline, and trading Kevin Durant is going to make it tough, but. There had to be some level of preparation knowing that both of those guys requested a trade this past offseason. You know, I think that's what annoys me is the lack of the pivot from the Nets and not being prepared. It's like they got caught in the in-between when they traded Kyrie, unsure if they wanted to trade KD or they wanted to add a star. And they also got caught in the in-between with the roster construction after trading KD, leaving a ton of role players on the team that didn't really fit and having almost too many guys for, you know, too little slot. So... I think Sean Marks deserves a, a good chunk of the blame. On to the next one, at Smealness. What are some realistic goals for players and team development for the rest of the season? You know, I think Cam Johnson continuing to take strides as a scorer and expanding his game and seeing, you know, if he can be a third or fourth option on a championship team, which is looking like a real possibility. And then how good can Mikel Bridges be? You know, can he improve in those ISO situations? Can he make his teammates better? Can he be a second or third option on a championship team? I think that's important stuff. Um, how good can Clax be offensively? We know the defensive potential and the strides he's taken on the end of the floor, but is there more to unlock offensively with some of the skills we saw at Georgia in college? And Cam Thomas, just improving that shot diet, improving as a passer, improving on making his teammates better, and also taking major strides defensively are some things that I would look for for the rest of the season. Next up, at Jay from BK, why do you think Sean Marks hasn't traded or signed for a real backup big? 
great question, Jay. You know, this has been an issue for Marks in the past of having imbalanced rosters. You know, we can go all the way back to the Sixers Nets series where they had Jared Allen and Ed Davis going to a series against Joel Embiid and not having that third center. Ed Davis goes down, sprains his ankle in that series. You're throwing out Rondé Haas Jefferson on Joel Embiid. You know, I think that's been a major issue. There's always been some level imbalance. You look at last year, there's an excessive amount of centers and not enough wing players. You know, that it's just like he overcompensates in certain areas and leaves glaring holes in others. So definitely an area that Marks needs to be substantially better at if he's going to remain the GM of the Nets. Up next, at Tom Frezza, do you think there's any chance Vaughn gets fired at the end of the season? We see more games like this. You never say never, but given the fact Steve Nash was fired at the beginning of the season, Josiah is still paying him. Vaughn just signed an extension to, I believe, 26-27. It's very unlikely Sai would want to commit that much financially to potentially a third coach, unless it was a guy who was just driving the tank ship. But even in that situation, it seems like Vaughn is, quote-unquote, their guy, and they wanted to have this level of, you know, culture and, you know, continue having the same guy in place for a few seasons. You know, we might not agree with it, but it might end up just being the case. At SharpB01, who do you think is a real a realistic option to join the Nets in the offseason? Uh, I think a lot of it, again, depends on what the goal of this team is. Are they trying to compete right away? Are they trying to get back in the top six of the playoffs? Are they trying to full-on tank? You know, that's going to dictate a lot. Could they throw a ton of picks and probably add a star player and get back to, quote-unquote, where they are in the standings, that 6-4 to four range? Sure, they probably could. Would they have an avenue to win a championship in that scenario? Probably not. So maybe it's a slow rebuild. Maybe it's being competitive and gathering assets and just taking flyers on guys or you know seeing who they can develop into really good players. Uh, next up, at Amit Javari, why didn't the Nets force the Suns to take Ben with KD? They probably just wanted to get the deal done. They just wanted to move forward, and I think – trying to ask them to take on Ben or find Ben a home would have held up the deal and would have prevented the trade from happening because we know how difficult it is for Ben Simmons to be traded right now. Or it would have ended up with the Nets having less draft assets moving forward. And I think the Nets would rather eat Ben's contract at this point and see maybe what he can do next season or potentially move him further down the line than give up picks. Up next, at JC Bazin, what does Sharp do in practice? The Nets believe in him. What do the Nets do in practice defensively? Why do they instantly switch? Um, I am not sure why the Nets believe in Sharp uh, as much as they do to be a backup center this season. Um, I've never really truly been a Sharp believer, so that's really on charm marks in the Nets. Uh, what do you? Uh, in terms of practice, we really have no idea. They could be practicing a ton of things. It could be all the wrong things. There could be a, a lack of communication. There could be too many, you know, things they're trying to learn at the same time. It's also a new team and guys switching over different principles. So a lot of different variables on the practice and the defense. Instantly switch. I think my problem with the switching is there's just a, a hesitation. It's either commit fully to being a switching team or don't. You know. Just you, there has to be a level of confidence in the way that you play defense, and the Nets do not have that. And on our final question, at Lost Company, this team is isn't lacking talent. So are they tanking? Is this a coaching issue? Also, does it seem like Thomas has checked out? I think in areas they are lacking talent. Um, could it be a stealth tank? You know, some people think it could be. They maybe they want to get in the end of the lottery and have a chance to maybe get a potential star. I think coaching is definitely playing an issue with some of the the issues with this team, but there's also a ton of different variables committing, um, you know, committing to that. 
Uh, and Cam Thomas, I think it's just hard for him to adjust, you know, given he had so much success pre-All-Star break with those three straight games of 40-plus points, and then not to see a regular workload and a regular role is tough for a young player who thinks they deserve time. So, you know, that's that's really it for Cam. I don't think he's checked out. I think he's more so frustrated. But really, really appreciate all the questions. Definitely something we're going to be looking to do more moving forward, given the Nets might not have a ton of games that we want to talk about. So big thanks for the questions. Big thanks for listening. And check the buzz on all streaming platforms. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.